Chapter 28 Alex stepped out onto the wraparound front porch of Aidan and Taya Blake's restored farmhouse and let the wooden screen door close behind her with a lazy thwap. It was late afternoon, and the warmth of the day was finally waning, the cool breezes of the approaching evening just beginning to stir. If there were a more perfect place to be right now than this ten-acre hobby farm, she couldn't imagine where that might be. Ancient oaks sprawled majestically atop the ridge, and fields of newly sprouting corn stretched out in unwavering green lines beyond the bright red barn. A rusty old weather vane on top of the barn creaked in the wind, its muted song adding to the settled-in comfort of a homestead that had seen generations come and go, and would probably see many more. This had been her home for ten days, but today was the first time she'd been left on her own. Nick had brought her here directly from the hospital, and Taya had fussed over her, caring for her as skillfully as any nurse Alex had ever known. Aidan, too, had been helpful in his own strong, quiet way, his cool eyes watching over her the way she imagined a brother would, the way Jason would have. It was nice, she had to admit, to feel like part of a family again. But this weekend was a special one for Aidan and Taya. It was their first wedding anniversary, and Alex had begged them to go spend it together somewhere on their own. She hadn't wanted to be some pathetic third wheel, preventing her friends from celebrating their anniversary the way lovers should. It had taken a bit of convincing, but they had finally agreed, letting her know where they were going and how to reach them, like nervous parents hiring a sitter for the first time. Taya couldn't have children, and Alex knew her friend was simply indulging in her maternal instincts by fussing so much. So Alex had assured them both she'd be fine, and ushered them out the door, relieved that they would get to spend the weekend alone. Of course, that meant she'd be alone, too. But alone, she could do. Alone, she could get used to. She actually felt good today for the first time since the attack. She felt tenderness below her bruised ribs, a bit of stiffness from the muscles she'd pulled as she'd tried to fight off Haggerty, but that would pass. And the constant headache that had drummed through her head for the past week had finally started to ease, with the help of some powerful painkillers and plenty of rest. Considering that Haggerty had fractured both cheekbones and part of her skull, she was lucky to have survived and to have recovered so well. The lurid purple bruises from the cheek fractures had finally faded into a pale lilac butterfly across her face, and the swelling had finally subsided, making her look more or less normal again. Her jaw was still a patchwork of pale yellow bruises, and there was a long jagged slash across her cheek from the stone in Haggerty's ring. But the pain was largely gone, she wouldn't win any Miss America contests, but she felt more human today than she had in a long time. She leaned against the porch railing and let the breeze ruffle her hair. She'd been able to keep her hair, thank God. If she'd come out of this with a shaved head on top of everything else, she would have been too freakish-looking even to face herself in the mirror. As it was, she had only managed to leave the house two days ago, on a trip to the market with Taya. Even that had been a bit of a mistake. 
She had received enough furtive looks and outright stares to make her realize it was still too soon to show her face in public. A shaved head on top of that, and she would have had mothers shielding their kids' eyes and babies starting to cry. The pale pink evening sky was awash in the watercolor strokes of the sinking sun, and as she rested against the railing she drew in a deep breath and tried to enjoy the moment. She was healing. She was going to get better each day. And she was with people who cared about her. People she never should have left in the first place. Simple things meant the world to her now. Just being able to breathe without her ribs hurting, just being able to touch her face without pain shooting through her. Just being here at all, despite what Paul Haggerty would have done to her if he'd been given the chance. Now, it wasn't physical pain that bothered her so much anymore. It was how she was going to manage the emotions that still battered her, the tears that still kept coming, at the oddest times, even when she thought she was done crying. That kind of pain brought no promise of healing, no guarantee of a sturdy scar or knitted bone stronger than it had been before. It was the other kind of pain, she realized, the kind that just didn't go away, the kind that didn't make you stronger in the end just whittled away a little more of your heart every day, until you were no longer whole. The hospital psychiatrist had told her that she would feel a lot of different emotions after what had happened. The police hadn't charged her, of course, since she had so clearly acted in self-defense, but she would still feel a lot of difficult emotions, the kindly old shrink had said. Guilt. Remorse. The shock of knowing she had taken a life, even as justified as that act may have been. But Alex felt none of that. Other people's choices. Her own words to Eric echoed in her head. Don't blame yourself for other people's choices. She had let herself feel responsible for Haggerty's choices once before, and had asked Nick not to intervene. The naivety of that decision had almost gotten her killed. No, she didn't feel an ounce of remorse for what she had done to Paul Haggerty, or rather, what he had ultimately done to himself. Her pain was reserved for someone else entirely. An image of Eric floated into her mind, and like so many of her memories of him, it was of something inconsequential, Something so silly it was hardly worth remembering. The way he had fallen for her psych-out and turned to look for Nick when she was trying to take his twig gun. The look of shock on his face when he'd realized he'd been had. And the irrepressible smile that had dimpled his beautiful face as he'd laughed, in spite of himself. As the memory unfolded, she felt as though she were replaying these events in some sort of loop, just to make sure they were committed to memory just to ensure she would always have them, would always be able to summon the image and remember those few wonderful days. She could try to will them away, she supposed, and maybe in time she would forget. But she didn't want to forget. Loving Eric Johansson was the one thing in her life she never wanted to forget. She could live with having lost him. She could, somehow. 
but she couldn't live with the knowledge that he was out there somewhere, alone. That he had abandoned his only support system and gone off on his own. That he'd done it out of shame and embarrassment, anger and self-loathing and an abject fear of love. Emotions he couldn't live with. Emotions she'd brought forth. Even if she could just find out where he was, just satisfy herself that he was alive and well. But no one knew where he was. Nick said he was looking, but they both knew Eric had disappeared, and that he was the kind of man who could stay disappeared. A man who already considered himself a ghost among the living, and could easily just vanish into thin air. She'd thought she'd felt his presence in New Orleans, of course, but the eyes that she'd felt on her had been Haggerty's, not Eric's. Those times when she could have sworn she'd heard his voice or smelled the clean, masculine scent of him surrounding her, it had only been the wistfulness of her imagination. She really should have known better. She should have known he hadn't followed her to Louisiana. He'd told her he had to leave. Leave her, leave PGI, leave everything. And he'd meant it. She sighed and leaned her head against the whitewashed porch column, watching the leaves of a distant oak ripple and dance in a light gust of wind. She could see why the Blakes loved it here. It was the perfect respite from the work they did, from the stresses and harsh realities of PGI. Even Durango, their lazy, hundred-year-old golden retriever, who lived in the barn and absolutely refused to enter the house, served as a cozy reminder to just take it slow, just breathe easy. If he could curl up and rest his snout on his tail for a five-hour midday snooze without feeling an ounce of guilt, so could anyone. Now that Nick wanted her back at PGI, maybe she should think about finding a place like this for herself, she mused. She couldn't stay with Aiden and Taya forever, and maybe it was time to put down some real roots of her own. It wasn't happiness she sought, exactly, because she doubted she would ever really be happy again. Not the way she had been during those precious few days with Eric. But maybe she could do what everyone else with a broken heart did. Try to find some measure of contentment. Try to be moved by something again. Try to get on with her life and forget that she had once known pure joy. Her broken heart was like a scar, she thought idly, remembering the ragged white lines that had marred Eric's skin. A heart healed like skin did. Weaker in some ways, stronger in others, but never again the flawless, untarnished thing it had once been. She understood it now, finally, at nearly thirty-two years of age. A person never really grew up, never fully grasped the poignant struggle that life could be, until she had her heart broken. She had just taken a lot longer to have hers broken than most people did. Now she was simply catching up to the rest of the world. Wiser. Sadder. Alone. But there was more to life than love, she told herself, breathing in the sweet, cool air, 
many people lived contented lives without romance. With Haggerty gone, she could breathe again, could reclaim her life if she wanted it. Maybe even renew her medical license and start emerging slowly back into the world. Maybe. Movement caught her eye and she glanced over at the barn to see Durango rise stiffly to his feet, his ears pitched forward and his eyes keen. His entire body went still as he stared down the long driveway towards the road, only his tail moving in a slow, wary sweep that wasn't quite yet a wag. She turned to follow his gaze, expecting the paperboy or the mailman, both of whom Durango usually greeted with gruff suspicion. She couldn't see anyone, but evidently he did, because he began to move forward, his poor arthritic hips belying the lupine majesty of his bearing. Good old Durango, Alex thought, almost out to pasture, but still on patrol, still guarding his home from any and all who would interfere. Who's that boy? she asked playfully, and although one ear flicked back towards her voice, he didn't take his gaze from the drive. He moved forward more confidently, pausing as if to think, and then lifted his nose to the air for a whiff. After a few squint-eyed sniffs of the evening breeze, he moved on, quickening his pace a little. She lifted her hand to her eyes and searched the distance, wondering if it was an approaching vehicle that had the dog on high alert. Maybe Taya and Aiden had come back early, and Durango knew it by the sound of their car. But then she realized it couldn't be a vehicle, because there were no telltale clouds of dust thrown up from the gravel lane. She took a few cautious steps down the porch stairs and began to stroll across the lawn, guarding her sore ribs as she moved. As she drew near the split-rail fence, she paused and fixed her eyes on the lone figure just cresting the horizon at the end of the lane. It was a man. A man in a white t-shirt and pale blue jeans, walking down the drive towards the house. Her heart, which had been silent this past week and a half, suddenly roared to life within her, pounding out a furious, nervous rhythm that she could feel in her ears. The air left her lungs on a startled breath, and her hand flew up to her mouth. It was Eric. She couldn't quite make out the man's features yet, but she knew it was him, knew it, felt it down to her marrow, basked in the certainty of it. It was Eric. It was Eric. He was alive. He was well. He was here. A surge of joy flooded through her, so powerful that it almost buckled her knees. So much more than relief, so much more powerful than mere happiness. Seeing him again was like coming up for air. Like the first day of spring, after a long, dark winter. It was like coming back to life. Eric was here. He had finally come back home. Durango knew it, too, for suddenly his ears dropped and he set off at a run, yelping out happy barks as his stiff old legs carried him forward as gleefully as a baby goat. His off-kilter gait looked painful and awkward, but the irrepressible joy that radiated from him made Alex want to cry. She watched as the dog bounded up to Eric and all but threw himself into his arms, yipping and whining with excitement and a kind of petulant relief, as though admonishing Eric for having been away so long. Eric bent to rub Durango with large, affectionate strokes through his fur, 
and then glanced up, hesitantly, towards the house. He was still some distance away, but he was close enough. Alex met his gaze and their eyes locked, and everything in her world fell back into place. She started forward on weak-kneed legs that seemed to move of their own accord, faster, surer, picking up her pace until her quickened breath expanded her fragile ribs, and the pain crashed through her, quick and sobering and impossible to ignore. She hesitated and almost went over on one ankle as she gripped the fence post for support and drew in a shallow, tentative breath. Eric straightened, and the expression on his face made all her doubts and fears rush to the surface again made her sorry she'd forgotten herself so thoroughly, and rushed towards him. He was staring at her so starkly, with such raw emotion paling his face, that her stomach actually clenched. He didn't look happy to see her. He looked terrified, in fact. Terrified and guarded and sad. He looked utterly vulnerable, too more vulnerable than she'd ever seen him, even when he'd first arrived in her medical bay, even when he'd been broken and weak. Now his plain white t-shirt fit him loosely, and she realized with alarm that he had lost weight. He stuffed his hands into the pockets of his well-worn jeans and shook away the hair that fell across his forehead in boyish disarray. He blinked, moistened his lips and started to come towards her with slow, uncertain steps. She stared at him, unable to move, unable to go to him as he held her gaze and closed the distance between them, his clean-shaven face making him look all the more youthful, all the more unsure. When he finally stood in front of her, his wide blue eyes took her in and his throat worked as his gaze moved over her face, over the bruises she had almost forgotten were there. He didn't speak, just let his eyes roam over her face, let his pained expression speak for him with every flinch, every softened look of pity and regret. What are you doing here? She finally whispered after an aching silence. She hadn't meant to whisper, her lungs simply hadn't been able to force enough air through her vocal cords to make a sound. Tears stung her eyes, but she willed them away, steeling herself against the pain she saw in his wide eyes. Then she gasped. Nick told you I was here? Yes. His voice was low and strained, but it was the same mellow voice she heard so often in her dreams. Just one word, and she was alive with emotion, her heart beating wildly now as she tried to calm her breath. He told you what happened, she asked, although it wasn't really a question. The stark look in Eric's eyes told her he had. That and the way Eric was looking at her face, his cheek muscle flexing as his eyes took in every insult, every fading bruise. Yes, he said finally. The word almost choked out. She angled away from him slightly, turning her face from him as discreetly as she could, suddenly self-conscious and wishing he hadn't seen her like this. She breathed in and forced herself to be calm. I had to see you, he said tightly, 
She could feel him coming closer, carefully, each step a hesitant decision that had to be made. To make sure you're okay. Something about his tone made her stomach drop. To make sure she was okay? To assuage his guilt? Was that what he meant? Or because he could only admit he cared about her when she was hurt? Well, I'm fine, she managed. She turned to look at him, her eyes burning with tears that she wouldn't let spill. If that's what you came to see. He stopped, moving, and looked at her. God, in spite of everything, he was as beautiful to her as ever. Even having lost weight, he was still broad and muscular, his bronzed skin glowing in the late day sun. His jeans hugged his lean hips and made her fingers ache to touch him, but it was his face, his sweet, beautiful face that tugged at her heart. He looked tired and sad, as he so often used to, but now there was a new quality to his expression, a new emotion that pinched his brow as he gazed at her. Love. She could have sworn it was pure, sweet, desperate love, and it made her own love for him surge to the surface, unbidden but not entirely unwelcome. Her heart wanted to reach out to his, to soothe away his pain, but she held herself back. She couldn't do this. She couldn't fall into this abyss again. Couldn't weave fairy tales to convince herself that he felt something for her when he simply didn't. Clearly, whatever they'd shared, whatever they'd felt, it belonged to a different time, a different circumstance. She had the proof of it right in front of her. She was wiser now, and she understood. He took a small step forward then, his eyes fixed on her. He approached cautiously, as if he thought his presence was unwelcome but had to keep advancing anyway, compelled by something even more terrifying than her anger or her tears or whatever else he thought he had to face. Go inside, she urged herself. Now that he's seen you, he can leave again with a clear conscience. Jesus, don't do this to yourself. Don't get pulled in. Don't let yourself love him. Soon he'll be gone, and your heart will break all over again. But she couldn't move. She could only stand, frozen to the spot, watching him move slowly towards her until he was standing so close. She could feel his warmth and breathe in his clean, masculine scent. His eyes searched her face, taking in the cuts and bruises, pain flaring in his eyes at the sight of each one. He met her eyes and lifted his hand to her cheek and carefully, gently, grazed the corner of her mouth with his trembling thumb. My God, he whispered, his eyes welling as he gazed at her. His voice was a reverent breath, his eyes glistening as they moved over her face. A small, errant tear spilled from the corner of his eye, but if he noticed it, he did nothing to hide it or wipe it away. His touch nearly melted her, and she fought not to press her cheek into his palm, to kiss the hand that was caressing her so sweetly. He was so tender. She didn't think he had ever touched her with such care, such delicate, trembling grace. His fingers grazed over the bruises on her cheek, 
hardly even touching them, and then trailed down her neck with the same fluttering caress. She looked up at him and watched his lips part slightly, watched his brow furrow and his eyes darken. He smiled weakly, letting his hand curve gently over her shoulder, as if he needed to assure himself that she was solid and whole and alive. His other hand skimmed down her arm and came to rest on her hip, lightly, easily, the warmth of his skin radiating through the light fabric of her dress. She didn't realize she was stepping towards him until she felt him lean closer, his body tensing in response. He lowered his head, his trembling lips brushing her cheek and lingering poignantly on her skin. Then he drew back and gazed down at her and brought his hand up to smooth her hair and caress her jaw, touching her gently as though he thought she might break. And she just might. Her heart fluttered wildly and her breath caught in her tightening throat. Every part of her felt vibrant, alive, and exquisitely sensitive to the wonder of his touch. Eric, her Eric, touching her, caressing her, his beautiful eyes gazing down at her, his strong hand on her hip, gently guiding her towards him. She was breathless with sensation and weightless with love, and suddenly as insubstantial as air. When she felt his other hand slide slowly along her neck and into her hair, she shivered at the warmth of his touch, at the promise of his lips on hers, the anticipation of his arms surrounding her. He lowered his head again, cautiously, his eyes mutely asking permission, and when she didn't stop him, his lips brushed across hers with the whisper of a kiss, so tremulous, so cautious, so fraught with emotion and need. Her heart kicked up at the first touch of his soft, sensuous lips, and she almost sagged against him, almost entwined her arms around his neck and pulled him closer for a heated kiss. But she stopped herself just in time, just as his lips began to firm against hers, and the hand on her hip began to circle her waist to pull her close. She stepped back suddenly and pushed him away, more forcefully than she had intended. He stumbled a little in surprise and then found his footing, reluctantly dropping his hands. Don't, she said. Please don't. She hadn't sounded at all convincing. It didn't help that she was crying freely now, tears spilling in hot tracks down her cheeks, or that she was staring at him, her chin trembling as she dragged in ragged breaths. He must have seen something flash in her eyes then, for he took a small step back contrite. You want to hit me? He asked hoarsely, his eyes glittering down at her. Go ahead. Hit me. Yes, I want to hit you, she heard herself say. But she didn't hit him. She just shoved him again, further away from her. He let her push him back, his utter lack of resistance obvious by the ease with which she moved him. He was letting her do what she would. This strong, powerful man was pliant and defenseless before her, by his own choice, and somehow that hurt worse than anything else. Hit me, he said again, stepping closer. God knows I've earned it. She just shook her head quickly and closed her eyes. 
She tried to speak, but the words just wouldn't come. I'm so sorry, Alexandra, he said, seeing her distress, struggling to control his own voice. He was scanning her face again, cataloging every bruise as though he had caused it. He moved closer again, and she couldn't make herself push him back. It's not your fault. Her voice, damn it, it wobbled. And he heard it, too, his eyes softening even more. You don't have to be here, Eric. You can go. Alexandra, he whispered, the warmth of his hand on her waist again. Please don't tell me to go. I'll leave if you tell me to. But I'm begging you. Not to. Please. Don't tell me to go. He would go, too. Unlike Haggerty, she knew if she just said the word, he would turn and go, and she'd never see him again. But she couldn't say the word. His strength, his warmth, his familiar scent surrounded her and teased her senses, set her nerves on fire and clenched her heart. He had always felt so good, so right, even just being near her. No other man could affect her like he could. No other man could reduce her to such a bundle of need just by standing in front of her, gently brushing his fingers across her cheek. There was so much she wanted to say, so many questions to ask. Where had he been all this time? Had he been taking his meds? Had he been sleeping? Words tumbled through her spinning mind, each competing to be the first ones she spoke. You left me, she bit out suddenly, her voice so plaintive that it surprised even her. But he didn't miss a beat, as though he'd been expecting far worse. I know. I begged you to stay and you left me. I know. She turned around completely, giving him her back, and rested her hand against a fence post for support. Her head began to pound, and her ribs suddenly hurt as if every breath she dragged in were spiked with shards of glass. Alexandra, he whispered with that light, Lovely Scandinavian lilt. The sound of her name on his lips a torturous reminder of the times he'd whispered it to her in tenderness or cried it out in passion. And then he was behind her, his hand on her hip, his chest just grazing her back. The same hard, muscled chest she'd snuggled into, the same broad expanse that she'd pressed her cheek against before they'd drifted off to sleep, just the merest touch, and she was transported back to the cabin, to the sweetness of their last time together, to the sensuous feel of his bare skin against hers, as they made love. She shivered, and when she felt his breath against her ear, she squeezed her eyes shut, unable to ignore the feel of him, the warmth of him, the irresistible allure of him. He must have felt her tremble, because he moved even closer and surrounded her, his hips pressed against her, his arms encircling her waist, as he slowly leaned down to press his lips to the shell of her ear. Alexandra, he murmured again, and his lips began to trail down her neck. Maybe if he hadn't said her name in that tender, sweet, seductive way, like it was a prayer, a benediction, and a curse all at once, maybe she would have been able to melt into him. But the sound of her name whispered against her ear brought back other memories, painful ones, agonizing ones. 
ones that he had gone to such lengths to deny ever even happened. Anger and pain mingled with the pleasure of his lips against her skin until only one emotion broke free from the rest and overwhelmed her. Anger. Before she even knew what she was doing, she whirled around and slapped him hard across his face. He staggered back from the surprise of the blow more than its impact and stared. Her hands flew up to cover her mouth and she sobbed into them, struck dumb with shock at having hit him. She couldn't believe she'd actually struck him. Tears streaked down her cheeks as she stared at him, not breathing, hardly even able to move. I'm sorry, she gasped out finally, her voice almost lost behind her hands. Oh God, Eric, I'm sorry. It's okay. He stepped forward again, his eyes bright and moist. His cheek reddened a little where her hand had slapped him, and the sight of it made her heart tumble into her gut again. I deserve that, and, and much worse. He was looking at her so earnestly, mutely telling her he would accept whatever abuse she hurled at him, that he would endure anything just to be forgiven, just to make things right. And in that moment, she knew she had never loved another person more than she loved this willful, damaged, beautiful man, and never would again. A futile, empty, unrequited love that would only end up breaking what was left of her heart. A love that he himself had warned her was not what she wanted, or needed, or should hold on to. A love that she would never get over, all the same. And that knowledge, that pain on top of everything else, was just too much to bear. He reached for her, but she stepped back, turned, and started to run. <laughs>